T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, we are back. We talked to Dave St. Peter early and uh, clearly... The start of the Twins is a nice mixture of returning guys and people that they went out and got in the offseason. One of the outstanding players they picked up in the offseason who was proving it on a daily basis, both in the field and at the bat, is the first baseman, C.J. Crone, and he joins us right now. Sid? Okay. How do you like playing for this new manager? Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been good. It's um, I was with Rocco last year in Tampa, so I, I knew him pretty well coming over, and um, yeah, he's been great so far. We've We've had a, a good, uh, good relationship, not just with me myself, but with the team. We we all enjoy uh, playing for him. So, yeah, it's been good, and um, I'm excited to continue it. What struck you when you played with him in Tampa? I mean, about him, did you see him as a manager? What was the relationship like? What did you see? Yeah, um, I, saw, I saw a guy who was who was super intelligent, um, both on the the baseball side of things, since he played so long, but also with the analytics, he could kind of take the numbers and apply them and could, could explain to you uh, the reasoning behind everything, which not a lot of people can. So uh, he's just super smart. Um, I kind of saw it in the making uh, uh, quite a bit over there, and um, I was super happy for him when he got the job with the Twins. Have you always been a first baseman? Um, in the in professionally, yes. I was drafted the first baseman, uh, but in college and all years previous, I was a catcher, so – um, I was a catcher going up to the draft, and then once I was drafted, I, I made the switch to first. CJ, how's the weather affected the team? I mean, there's every reason for it to be negative, but when you look at how you guys are doing, uh, I'd say maybe they should keep the cold weather around for a while. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. Uh, I mean, there's there's no denying it's been cold, but uh, at the same time, uh, it's cold for the other team too, I guess. And we're, I think we're kind of using it as a little bit of a home field advantage. Um, we don't, we don't mind playing in it necessarily. Obviously, we want to, we want to play in the warm, but this is the cards we're dealt, and we're gonna we're gonna do our best. And I think uh, when the weather warms up, we might even have another gear gear to hit. So um, it's it's been a good start, and we're 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 excited to keep going. Talk about the hitting coach. How much does he help you? Yeah, uh, J Rose's been great. Um, very very personable. Um, can talk to him about pretty much anything, and. He understands he understands swings on an individual basis, which is nice. He doesn't have a, a set um, a set guideline, I guess, but he can look at your swing and, and kind of help you uh, personally. And I think that that's that's really helpful. And um, he's been great so far. I've only been working with him for a little over a month, so it, it's still relatively new, but um, it's been great. Back to back to back home runs on Friday night. Have you ever been involved in that in your career? I don't think so. I, I, I've been a few back-to-backs, but I don't think I ever got three. Um, and if I have, I definitely wasn't ever the last one to hit one. So hmm. it was definitely cool um, seeing those two guys go. And obviously I'm trying to do the same thing at that point. So it was a, it was a good first inning uh, for the boys. CJ, obviously one of the reasons the Twins were attracted to you was your power, which was well understood. How does it feel to be part of a starting lineup with nine guys on the field, any one of whom can hit the ball 425 feet? Yeah, it's it's an exciting lineup for sure. I think uh, the way the the lineup's constructed, we got we can hit one through nine, which is pretty special in this league. And 
Uh, just the amount of pop we have, like you just said, one through nine is also pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, Kepler's hitting leadoff, and he's got six. So that's that in itself is, is pretty cool. But it's fun to know that no matter no matter the score of the game, uh, we have the necessary uh, hitters to, to come back, and we're never really out of a game. So it's it's been a great start. Talk about the two long home run that's, that Kepler hit yesterday. Yeah, they were huge. Um he hit a, a, a big two-run. His first one was a, a big, a big two-run homer to put us up by three there uh, late, which gave us a little bit of a cushion. And then, obviously, a second one um, kind of added on. But he hits the ball really hard. He's he's a fun hitter to watch. And um, I know if, if I was a pitcher, I wouldn't be comfortable pitching to that guy. So glad he's on our team. And yeah, he's been showing a lot of pop this year, and it's been really good. The CJ baseball rules have been revolutionized basically since you got in the game with. Uh, between analytics and everything else. And one of the things that you see that doesn't matter anymore is batting order. You know, you talk about Kepler as the leadoff hitter in six home runs and Buxton ninth, all those things. Uh, you know, it used to be that traditional number three guy, number four guy, number five, all that stuff. Are, are you guys okay with that? Does that just feel good? Because it doesn't really matter where you hit in the lineup anymore? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, obviously the, the game's evolving. Um, I think with our lineup, we have so many power guys that you're going to have to, it's not going to be conventional conventional no matter how you put it so um I'm, i think kepler likes hitting up there uh it's obviously a, a good for us knowing that he's gonna be the first guy at the dish he's gonna get five at bats um and he's probably gonna hit the ball really hard so it's it's kind of a it puts you off to a good start to a game um and yeah i think the way our lineup is um anyone anyone at any time could could be the beneficiary for sure CJ, I want to move over to the defensive side of things. When the Twins signed you, most of the attention was on your power and your hitting. I think people have been pleasantly surprised by your fielding. I want you to talk about fielding. I also want you to talk about the throwing arms of your second baseman, your third baseman. During the week, we saw a couple of bullets get over to you at at, at rates of or speed that uh, we're not accustomed to. Yeah, they both got they both got cannons for sure. It's uh, it's pretty fun just standing on first and and just knowing it's going to be right in the chest and it's going to be a a good play, but um, yeah, I mean, I was just just trying to to get the infielders' confidence. Really, that's that's the first baseman's main goal is to to have them know that no matter where they throw the ball, I'm going to be able to catch it for them, whether it's in the dirt or a little bit left or right. Um, I take pride in that, so I think I have their confidence definitely in scooping balls and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's nice to finally be able to play the position and to kind of show people what I'm able to do. CJ Crone, thank you very much for being on our radio show. And for being on the show, we'll get you a certificate that the best uh, steak place in town named Merge will send it to the target field. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. CJ, always a pleasure. We'll have you back uh, during the season frequently. That's CJ Crone back with more after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, we are back. Rick Spielman is busy signing free agents. We are going to talk to him in about four and a half minutes from right now. It's always fun to talk to him on Sunday morning after the draft. Mike, you and I talked about this before Sid came in. Just when you th- start thinking there's no other there new way possibly to be another involve way to honor him. 99-year-old Sid Hartman into the narrative, there was yesterday and the uh, Vikings. Let's listen in. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I don't know if they're cheering Sid, Cameron or Sid. Sid sitting here smiling. Uh, how did that happen, Sid? How did that? How, how did that happen? Grand did the one before. Yep. Yeah, did they I tell know, you that? The first pick. When did you find out? 
Hagen called me. Well, I knew it was going to be oh, Bob yeah. Hagen. Who told was, me you come out on the 12th of Surrey. Oh, it was, well, that was great. What a, what a nice thing. And uh, I, and you did a nice job. That was that was a fun uh, part of the show. Nobody happier than they drafted a Smith than Sid Hartman. That's that's right. You didn't you didn't get a Samoan or something. You didn't get two Yasa Sopo. Uh, so anyway, it's good to see them do that. Uh, we, as I said, we uh, are going to have Rick Spielman on. We're going to take a break here uh, to give him a, a chance to get ready for us. Uh, but uh, we'll talk to him about all things draft related. But we wanted to share that Sid Hartman moment with you. It's, uh, it was, uh, I think, it came as a surprise to to most of us, and we uh, we uh, we're we're happy you're back with us this week, Sid. We're happy you're feeling good. We were a little worried last uh, Sunday when you didn't make it in, but I could tell our listener Sid looks good. And he's feeling good again, and it's great to have him back with us here in the studio. Um, I had a rough time for a while. Yeah. But uh, a lot of stuff going around. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you've got allergies, too. And this time every year, oh I, know, I know you sometimes have, a, you know, about with that, your allergies. It was tough for a while, but I'm 100% now. Well, that's great. It's nice having you back. For people who can't see us in the studio, he looks great. It's great to have him back. We are going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll be talking to Rick Spielman about yesterday. Well, yesterday, the draft went on three days, the last three days of the weekend. The draft, Vikings got a lot of players. We'll talk about all of that right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, David, Mike. We are back. We've talked a lot about uh, the draft. Uh, my first text message today was very positive. People really liking what the Vikings did in the draft on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Joining us right now, the, the guru who puts it all together with a lot of help for the Minnesota Vikings. Sid, say good morning to Rick Spielman. Hey, will you sign a lot of free agents now, too? Yeah, we actually uh, were in here this morning uh, finalizing a lot of that and finalizing uh, – all of our tryout guys that are coming in, I think we have about 40 tryout guys coming in for next weekend's rookie mini camp. So uh, last night we got a chance to catch our breath a little bit uh, after signing the uh, college free agents. And then uh, today and last night, we're actually finalizing uh, the rest of the roster for the rookie mini camp. So it's been a, uh, it's been a long process, but I got to say, uh, with uh, our college director, Jamal Stevenson, and, and all our scouts and, and coaches and the time and effort and energy they put into this thing, uh, it's it's an incredible amount of work done, but uh, how well everybody works together, I think that's truly what gives us an advantage. How good is that guard from Oklahoma? Tell us about him. Yeah, Drew is uh, a very physical player up front. Uh, he fits from a... Uh, all the athletic traits we look for um, from uh, a standpoint of being able to execute in this scheme. A few technical flaws that him and just like all the rookies have to clean up on. I know our coaches uh, spend a lot of time with all these guys and if things that they do on tape or that they've done and saw at the workout or the combine that they think is correctable, uh, they get working on that. But the one thing that was truly – tells you what type of football player and how much respect he had on that Oklahoma football team that had a lot of great players is we asked all the kids uh, when we're going through the interviews, if you only had to bring one person with you uh, to win a Super Bowl with another team, which one would you bring? And every single one of them Oklahoma kids said they would bring this kid to, Hmm. to wherever they went with them. So that tells you how much he respect he had from his teammates. Do you think you got a lot of sleepers that people didn't think would be be there, and you got them by making all those trades? 
Yeah, we had a lot of lot of draft picks, uh, and I always have used the philosophy of the more chances you get to swing at players, the better odds that you may hit on a couple. Um, if you're only having one or two, you know, late round draft picks, that uh, you got a lot better odds if you have as many as we have to, uh, to to hit on a couple of those guys. So the more chances you get up uh, to bring players in here, the better odds you are of, of hitting on some of those guys. So. I don't get an opportunity to see a lot of those guys, especially down in the later rounds. I try, I learn about them and what they're saying in the meetings and everything. Um, but I have such a great staff, and I know the time and effort that those scouts put in on the road. Um, and they come in and they get very strong opinions, and they have very good feel on some of these guys. And I, I trust them and the coaches, uh, especially in the later rounds and some of these college free agents that we signed that, uh, that and their opinion on these guys. Rick, take us inside the war room, though, because about 10 o'clock on Friday. Oh, they're letting you talk today. <laughs> I, I, oh, good one. Five minutes into the interview. <laughs> I kept trying, and Sid kept putting his hand up. One more, one more. <laughs> uh, but but on Friday night, every time I looked up to try to rewrite my script for the news, you guys had made another trade to trade down, et cetera, back in. What is that like? I mean, do you got all these, as guys go off the border, they're like automatic trades where you go, okay, he's off the board, so therefore we now have a deal done with how, how fast can you get these done how does that work oh uh, they're done with probably within two or three minutes usually when you're on the clock i know we had a uh when i see that we have five or six options still uh, uh up there um, players that we would take any one of those players uh and i understand uh that we may lose one or two but we still have more options that's that's why we we traded down um, you know, I think we made a trade down and then uh, made another trade and got two more six round picks from Baltimore right behind us. Uh, so and I knew, you know, that we had a pretty good chance of still landing that the, the runner uh, from Boise State, um, Madison. Is he like a potential uh, second round or second team guy for you guys? Yeah, no, we're very excited about him. Uh, he's a big back, uh, great character kid, very durable. Uh, we wanted to get a bigger back uh, to create that one-two punch we had with Cook and, 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 and Latavius, and we feel this kid has an opportunity to come in here and potentially fill that role. Rick, a two-part question. First of all, uh, how many hours or days in advance did you uh, decide to draft uh, Cameron Smith so Sid could practice that uh, introduction, which <laughs> which he pulled off so well? And and then the second part of the question, and we're going to have him on as a guest at 11 o'clock hour. Could you just say something about the role that Scott Studwell has played in your organization? Yeah. One, uh, I can't even say the name of the the Elon tackle we drafted. <laughs> we were hoping that was going to be to sit. I was, <laughs> oh, I no, was, we all great. were. <laughs> but I can't tell you how much Scott Studwell not only uh, means to this to the scouting staff and every, but to this entire organization and how beloved he is. And I don't know if there'll ever be another Scott Studwell that comes through the Minnesota Vikings that had such a major impact not only what he was as a player but what he did uh working here in the front office and uh he, that is something that is very unique to be at one organization uh for as long as he has and put pretty much his entire life 
uh, into this organization. And he will still, hopefully, I'm going to talk him into carving out some kind of role because I know he's going to get bored in retirement <laughs> with finding bits and pieces, but he'll always be part of this family and uh, always be a part of us. You live close enough to him. You can have him rake leaves and whatnot over at your place. <laughs> well, I asked them. They said, you know, if you want to do my dancing bonus, I hope that you don't have to do any tape. You might as well want to cut the yard or anything. But then, but that's my favorite thing to do in the summer. I love doing yard work. Uh, it's kind of like uh, a mental exercise in uh, relaxation. Uh, so I got a yard that's about maybe ten yards by ten yards, and. Uh, it takes me three hours to do that yard. <laughs> that reminds you need some help on Tuesday. You're going to meet with us. Do you want me to come out there and help you with this, some of this film you're going to break down? Yeah, yeah, no, you guys are going to get a chance to get a little bit of an inside <laughs> look uh, at how we operate and uh, how some of the decisions are made. And, and uh, so hopefully uh, that will give you guys uh, a little bit of uh, in- insight on, on how this actually works. Rick Shmima, always a pleasure to have you in the air. And for being in the air, we'll get you a marriage certificate. Thank you very why, much. Why Why did Maxi ever get me anything? I drive it. I, I Lion's tap. <laughs> is, that, is that where you get your certificate? You, you and me in Studwell, okay? That's not far from your house. <laughs> hey, don't All knock right, Lion's tap. That's good burgers. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right. All right. That's Rick Spielman. We'll be back with uh, PJ Fleck right after this. Sports Huddle. Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right. We are back. We just finished talking to Rick Spielman. One of the stories that everyone was following yesterday's draft. Would any Minnesota players go? Yeah, Cashman went, uh, linebacker Cashman uh, went, uh, along with Eden Prairie uh, teammate uh, Connolly. Both went in the draft and standing by to talk to us right now, go for football coach P.J. Flex. Sid? We're happy to see Cashman getting drafted. You think he'll do okay in the NFL? Well, first of all, congratulations to him being drafted. That's just tremendous for our program. It's tremendous for him. It's a wonderful opportunity for him and as well as other players for us. Um, but again, he's, uh, he's earned it. He's a really talented football player and, um, you know, he's got a great story, uh, former walk-on from Eaton Prairie and earned a scholarship. Now he's a, a fifth round pick. So really happy for him and his family. You ain't free agents for any go for free agents sign with anybody? PJ, you know, uh, Danelle Green, I think went to the Jaguars. Um, and then we had some other guys have some opportunities here coming up, uh, which is exciting for them too. Um, you know, it's just, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of seniors. So, you know, as we keep going forward, you know, the draft is going to, I think more and more Gopher fans are going to be tuning into that draft over the next few years as well. You think anybody else uh, will be signed as a free agent? Hard to tell right now. You know, that's uh, the NFL is its own business. It's uh, hard to get in it. Uh, our guys just have to find a way to get in it. Once you find a way to get in it, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a free agent or a high draft pick. You just got to get there. And once you get there, you have an opportunity like everybody else, and you got to take the most of it. Talk about Did you accomplish everything you wanted to accomplish? Yeah, we accomplished everything we needed to accomplish in spring. I was really pr- uh, proud of our progress of what we're making as a team, not just individually, but as a team, where we are as a team, where we were at the end of the year as a team, and where we are now. Um, again, different team, different players, uh, a lot of new faces, um, a lot of the same faces, but every year has its own entity. It's its own team. Uh, but I really, I'm really proud of the progress these guys are making. And this week is finals. It's an important week for them to finish up academically, and then they get a few weeks off, and then we start our summer workouts. 
PJ, when you came into the job, uh, the Gophers' were, expectations around the, the league were not very high. I'm sure you told the players to pay no attention to it. Now that some of the services, some of the magazines are starting to have their fall previews, you guys are looking better and better in the eyes of a lot of people in the uh, western part of the Big Ten. What do you tell the players? Well, I think you have to. You, you can't be naive to the situations, you know, and you can't think that they're not going to hear those types of things. So even when, you know, we're not picked to do very well, uh, you educate players about that and why and why that doesn't have to be the norm or why that doesn't have to be the standard or why that doesn't have to be the end result. But you let them know why they feel that way. And that was the whole part of last year was we're the youngest team in America. Nobody thinks we're going to be any good. Well, we have to be for us to be any good. Right. We are young. We are inexperienced. We had to have a race to maturity. And halfway through the season, our players grew up, you know, and to be able to win uh, four out of their last five, they, they grew up quick. And that's what we needed them to do. Would you like them to do it quicker? Sure. But that was when they were ready to mature and grow up. Now, when you get into this year where people are expecting things, um, we're the second youngest team in America. But what we are is we're experienced. So now we can fall back on all those experiences. We can educate them about the pressure and the expectations. Uh, that that they're going to have from the outside. You know, no one's sitting there saying, "Hey, this team's going to win the national championship." From the outside, but there are expectations rising, and you have to educate players of how to be able to handle that, and how to be able to look at that, uh, and process that the way our culture wants you to do that. And uh, so, I, I think it's very appropriate to educate players of exactly what the expectations are being uh, that are from the outside, so at least they know how to internalize that when they do hear it. But that does not mean that it has to be the end result. Were there any surprises in swing practice, guys you didn't expect to do as well as, as they did? You know, we know our team so well right now. I don't know if there's any necessarily surprises. I think guys are growing up to their ability. I think guys are playing up to their ability. They're maturing. They're getting better. They're fundamentally in technique. is The fundamentals and technique are getting better by the day. So I don't know if there's necessarily any surprises, but, you know, um, you know, I thought Boye Mafe had a tremendous spring. I thought Thomas Rush had a tremendous spring. Mariano Sori Marin. You know, the next guys, you know, of course, everybody expects Kamal Martin to play well and Carter Coughlin and Antoine Winfield Jr. and, and you know, um, and those types of guys. But it's the guys that are going to be the backups to those guys or be in certain you know, third down roles or certain roles for the football team that we need to have continue to grow and raise to the level of starters, which I was really proud of a lot of their progress. You know, PJ, there was a piece on ESPN this morning I just happened to catch about a 13-year-old that was offered a scholarship back in the day by USC, et cetera, and, and it raised all kinds of questions. Said, when do you know? When, when do you know in football in particular as kids mature? What's the earliest you really think you can tell if a kid's got enough potential ability and you know enough about them that you feel comfortable offering them? You know, I saw the same thing you did uh, on the E60. It's just an incredible story. You know, and now he's one of the, you know, one of, last year was one of the best wide receivers in the country. And now he's going to be with the Buffalo Bills. So, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a hypothesis, right? I mean, it's an organized and educated guess. That's what recruiting is. And you do everything you can to maximize your chances and your percentages. But it's not a grand slam home run on every kid. You're not always going to be right. Um, if you can be right on 65 to 70 percent of your players, I think you're you're doing really well as you continue to build your program. And so, it, I don't, I think the answer to your question is I don't know if there is a time frame. I don't know if you know for sure, but I think there's certain traits, certain characteristics you look for on and off the field, um, whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, emotionally, 
whether you look at that type of athleticism he has or the future or look at his parents, you're looking at his body structure, you're looking at all this, all these things that come into play. And everybody has its own course. Everybody has their own time frame. Everybody has their own development. And so every case is handled individually, but you don't know. I mean, we've offered freshmen before, um, and then there's been guys that we've had to wait all the way through their senior year to offer. So I don't know if there's a proper time to say that's the right time. Um, the thing on E60 today was about how Lane Kiffin offered somebody that was a seventh grader. So if, if he saw that he was that talented at that time and he offered him, and, you know, that's, you know, why wait? You know, um, of course, there's so much development that can that can go right or wrong in those five years. But I don't know if there is a certain time frame that would be something that you'd say, hey, this is the right time to do it because every kid's different. PJ, um, without naming names, could you give us a feeling of how recruiting is going uh, against any uh, number of targets you may have? And then two years ago, you picked up three players uh, out of the academy in Florida, Anikstad, Dunlap, and Fa'alele. Do, do those connections remain? Because I think people got pretty excited about that potential pipeline. Oh, absolutely. Uh, first of all, 2020 recruiting is going very well. We have eight commitments uh, doing very well in terms of a lot of other guys that we think are very close uh, to committing. Uh, Within the next month or two, you know, we're, we're going on a need basis, you know, at this point. And we're always going to have big recruiting classes to the, to the best of our ability. We want to make sure that sooner or later we're having 25, 26 players graduate. You know, the last few years we've had eight, nine, ten. That's it. You know, we've got to get to a point where we're a senior-dominated type team. Uh, we're still a year or two away from that, uh, probably two to three years away from that, to be honest with you, with those huge classes coming through. But 2020 is going great. Eight commitments there. We already have three commitments for 2021. Um, some outstanding players already for the 2021 class and hope to get some more as we continue to move forward. So um, I kind of look at 2020 and 21 as one class uh, because I think that's that's going to be a huge push as we move forward of how I look at, you know, the future, even after the, you know, Daniel Falele's and the Curtis Dunlap Juniors and those types of people are gone. Um, so you've always got to be years and years ahead. But I think our coaches are doing a great job on the road. They're doing a wonderful job just getting into the schools. And then the pipeline to um, at IMG Academy, where you were talking about, was uh, where Curtis Dunlap and Daniel Falele and Zach Ennickstead came from. Um, you know, we're going to go wherever we have the connections. And, and you know, there's, there's plenty of players all over the country, but especially where we have the connections and the ties. And we feel really good about what we have from those types of players. And, and uh, we'll continue to recruit everywhere as well as that school heavily. How do the young quarterbacks do in spring practice? Well, I thought they did really well. You know, I was really, really impressed with the two young kids, um, you know, Cole and Jacob, of how hard they competed and what they had to be able to do right away. You know, they were thrown into the fire. You know, it wasn't, hey, I'm only going to get a few reps per practice. I mean, they, they got to run the offense, um, you know, from basically practice one. So Kirk Sharaka, I've said it before and I'll say it again, he's one of the best developers of quarterbacks I've ever been around. So patient. Um, he's demanding. Um but he also is one an incredible listener, and he knows the strengths and the weaknesses of the player. He knows how they develop and when they need to develop and how they need to develop. So I'm really proud of those two guys. And then Zach and Tanner have both improved, you know, and that's the, what you want to see. You know, I think if we would, I think if we would sit there and say, okay, here's a starter right now, and somebody would have had to beat somebody out in the spring and be that much far ahead. But they're both competitors, and they've both gotten better. You know, um, and so I think everybody was looking for maybe one to be okay and one to be elite, but they're both working at an elite level, and that's what you want to see as a head coach because that raises the level of competition in the room. 
and it's obviously raising the, the skill set of our football team. Well, they got a lot of new ticket plans uh, for football. We have to reduce prices and be sure and get your tickets, big time schedule, everything else. B.J., Tim Murray loves it when you come into Murray's and have one of their great sakes. Thank you very much for appearing on our show. Yep, I appreciate it, guys. Row the boat, Sky Mile. Go Gophers. Thanks. Hi, that's P.J. Fleck. We'll be back with Thad Levine talking more Twins baseball right after this. Sports Huddle, said Dave and Mike. Hi, right, we are back for the third time this morning. We're talking Twins baseball. Why not? They're in first place in the division. They're playing really entertaining baseball. Joining us right now, Thad Levine. And Thad, before I give the microphone over to Sid, uh, you made a personnel move. I assume it's Cave that's coming up with uh, uh, La Tortuga going on the 10-day injured list. Yeah, good morning, guys. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, William Pastadillo suffered a little bit of a hamstring strain yesterday when he was scoring from third base on the sack fly. And, and so he is, he is going to be down for a couple of days. And considering we were going a little bit of a man short on the bench with an eight-man bullpen, we determined we needed to bring up Jake Cave so that Rocco had the full complement on the bench. We're very hopeful that uh, William Pastadillo will be back close to the 10-day mark. Uh, but we'll start the rehab process as soon as possible and get him back on the field. Do you have any pitching prospects in the minor leagues that might come up this year and help you? I think that's where you need help. Uh, you know, Sid, I think it's a good point. I, I think that's something we're constantly monitoring. Uh, the offense has certainly gotten off to a, a really nice start. The pitching has done very well, but we know we're going to need more uh, quality and quantity to get through the season. So that's something we, we talk about constantly uh, with Jeremy Zoll, our farm director, and, and the, the whole crew down in the minor leagues, Pete Mack here, our pitching coordinator. We're really putting a lot of emphasis on identifying arms that we can develop this year who can serve as that next line of defense for us in the big leagues. We, we are excited about a handful of those guys. You know, to, to name a few, Lewis Thorpe has had some really nice outings in a row. We saw what Cole Stewart could do coming up in a very hostile environment against a very tough lineup. Uh, gave us six innings the other day against Houston. So we do feel as if we've got some protection down there. But that certainly will be a focus for us throughout this season. Yeah, your four starters at uh, Fort Myers uh, are off to a phenomenal start. Everyone's focused on Gratterall, but older. I mean, you've got four guys there that keep an eye on. Well, you know, and that, that whole team has just been suppressing runs at a, a tremendous rate so far. And I give, give that group a ton of credit as a unit. Uh, that's that's an offensive league by and large, and they've done such such an exceptional job as an entire pitching staff. But point of fact, our whole minor league system has done a great job in the month of April here, uh, leading the the minor leagues in strikeout rate, which is something that you know we haven't been able to claim in quite some time uh, as a as a franchise. So I think we're very encouraged by the pitching up and down our minor league system to start the season. You know, but you mentioned Hasanio goes on it, obviously Sano. But when you think about this, that you guys have been incredibly healthy through the first month of a season, particularly with all the cold weather. And over 162 games, you know, the statistic we don't talk about much is who has the fewest players on the DL. That matters a lot. And you guys have been fortunate that way or, you know, strength training, conditioning, whatever it is. You guys, particularly the pitching staff, have been pretty healthy. Well, you nailed it. I mean, let's call it like it is. We all have talent. We all have designs and plans. But the teams that make it to the playoffs, by and large, are the, the teams that have stayed the healthiest, the teams that have had – their A group of players play the most reps, whether it's plate appearances or innings pitched, outside of losing Sano for the first month of the season. Uh, we've been blessed. We, we've had a pretty healthy group. And I think 
I give a lot of credit to, to, to Rocco Baldelli and to Wes Johnson and, and to Derek Sheldon. We've really rotated our players at the major league level consistently. Uh, we've had a lot of off days through, through the schedule, but additionally, they've just been consistent in playing the guys on the bench, rotating the guys through the bullpen. So we haven't really overextended players so far. So I think we've minimized the chance of risk, but we've also been blessed that we haven't had too many injuries. But as the deal going down, is significant for this team because of not only what he does on the field. You know, we saw him playing right field the other day. We've seen him play first base, third base, second base, center field, left field, and obviously he can, he can catch as well. But as you guys know, as you guys have gotten to know the player and the person, he's become a little bit of a spiritual leader on this club. So this is going to be big shoes to fill for, for the rest of the club for the next two weeks. We'll try to keep Williams around the team so that we can still capitalize on what he does in the clubhouse, but we will miss what he did on the field. Pat Levine, thank you for being on the air. We we want to get some information. Uh, we, we hope he's ready to play pretty soon. And for appearing on the show, we'll get you a certificate to merge the best steakhouse in town. Thank you. Thank you guys very much for having me on. And we also look forward to Sano coming back very soon. He's starting a rehab assignment here, and we're, we're encouraged by his progress so far. If they had a very nice day outside, if people haven't got plans for the afternoon, they ought to get their way to the ballpark. Twins have got a fun team to watch. Uh, we, we couldn't agree with you more. We hope to see everyone out of the ballpark today. All right, it's Dad Levine. We'll be back with more right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, we are back. We've been so busy this morning, we've not had a chance for phone calls. You have, however, supplied some excellent text messages at this 81807. If you want to get involved, I'm going to go to a couple of those text messages in the two, three minutes we have here. One of them is, uh, Sid, a suggestion for your newspaper. Uh, I'm old enough to remember this. You used to have a feature in your Sunday paper called Minnesotans in the Minors, and you <laughs> keep track of, of players with Minnesota roots. They were, they were golfers or went, played high school sports here and how they were doing in minor league baseball. I had totally forgotten about it. I bet we haven't seen that for almost a decade. It was a fun thing at the time, and if your paper has got the – it's so easy these days with uh, with what's online, I'd suggest you maybe take a look at, at adding that. Check that out. Yeah, it was, it was always fun to look at. Yeah, Mike, you do, remember that. We used oh, yeah. to do that all the time. Yeah, all the time. I, I assume now anybody that wants to know about their favorite minor leader just hits two buttons or whatever and – they can find out how they did their last at bat, I guess. Uh, or their next at bat. Uh, I, I, yeah, I got a buddy that's got a son in the minor leagues, and he just sits on his phone at night and follows if he comes in as a relief appearance. And I, I mean, I don't want to sound old, but it is amazing, Dave. <laughs> Mike, we're all old. I don't know if <laughs> we can do it. But I continue to get uh, good text messages about the conversation we had with Dave St. Peter about all the familiar uh, broadcast voices. So I think we'll we'll put that one down as a positive. Here's one. Uh, it's kind of a theme you hear out there, Mike. I know you, you've addressed this uh, on the air. Uh, this is uh, from an M Club member, he said, my season tickets increased for, uh, by $500 total for hockey and basketball due to the increase in donation. Why did they raise the donation prices? I think I know part of the answer, but I'm going to look to you for that one. Well, they, they brought in, they're bringing in other people. They're trying to get more season ticket holders to come in, first-time buyers, so they made it less for them, and then people paid the price on the other side. And when they found out about it, that's when they had the commotion, and, and uh, Kira Levin did a piece on it and whatnot, and that, it, it didn't go as well as planned. Yeah, no doubt about it. That you know, those 
donations are, are everywhere. I mean, Michigan State was the last holdout. I don't know if they ever went to it. But it's a sensitive area. I mean, Norwood Tegan introduced a three-step uh, uh, thing. Mark uh, Cole had the sense to stop that after two steps. But uh, it is a controversial area, and I don't think we've heard the end of it. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how well they do on trying to get new people in because this go for football team, I think when people take a look at it, some of those low-priced tickets that were previously not sold in the end zone, there's a real opportunity there for people to take a look. I think they were $1.7 million off budget for $120 million budget. They missed it by $1.7 million is what I was told. So immediately they look, what do they look at? That, trying to get attendance up, that's a, that's a profit center that they haven't tapped into, like, or it's got potential anyway. And then they brought in, of course, the beer and uh, uh, liquor sales potentially yeah. at the games, which I probably have a bigger effect on football. I've never thought that basketball crowd. I said They're not a wine crowd. Or, yeah, I, I don't see Hockey that Hockey crowd's a, big... a Merlot crowd, I yeah. think, yeah. All right, we're, we're out of time here. I want to uh, just tell people, Garrett uh, Bradbury, the, the first-round draft choice of the Vikings, will join us at, uh, oh, about 11.05. Scott Studwell a little bit later on in the hour. We may get you involved in the second half of the hour. Stick around. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.